the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the eighth part in our series on the seven churches from Revelation. In this episode, we look at the church in Sardis. The main reading is 1 John chapter 5. We're on the fifth church now, and I just want to read that to you. Fifth church, Revelation 3, church in Sardis. To the angel, that's the leader, the messenger of the church in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven false spirit of God and of the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation. You have a name of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains is about to die. I've not found your deeds fulfilled, complete fruitful in the sight of my God remember therefore what you received and heard it and keep it obey it watch of it and repent if you do not wake up I will come like a thief you will not know what time I will come to you yet you have a few people in Sardis that have not soiled their clothes uh, they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy he overcomes will like them be dressed in white I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, of course, every church, apart from number two, uh, the Lord has, has um, had something against them, but every church up until now, the Lord has had something for them, a commendation. Now, this church, there is no commendation. So there's the first difference here. So this is a real serious church. We need to look at it very, very seriously because there's no commendation for this church. Um, Sardis, we, let's call it the dead church. It's a good title. It's a sad title. Um, Sardis, uh, one of the oldest cities of our group, if not the oldest, was uh, capital of what we call the Lydians uh, kingdom, um, well BC, and there was one of his famous kings, in 500 BC was Croesus. You might have heard of him as, as rich as Croesus used to say, um, and it was a, it was a real wealthy city. Uh, they, they say the um, uh, Pactolus, the, the, the river that runs alongside the city, has gold in it, and I think you can go and pan for gold today if you're that way inclined. But you can be there forever, can't you, panning for gold? But that's where, and they they say it was the first place where they actually minted gold coins. So there's the history: wealth, um, lavishness. Uh, but of course, those days had long gone, and uh, those days of decadence and wealth and indulgence were coming down the other side. Um, and uh, the Rome uh, took it over, I suppose, in 103. Remember, the, the king uh, bequeathed the, the whole area, really, and, and that place to the Romans about 133, or that so so beat BC. And um, this was a, a city where. It's very interesting, now they dig it up, there's no cities around it anymore, a little town a bit further away. But they found uh, one of the re- main reasons the Lord's having to go, it was one of those places where everyone got along. And uh, so we see in the synagogue, the synagogue, it, the, they had a synagogue there, it was what, the biggest synagogue outside of Israel. And it's very interesting when you go to the synagogue, there's an altar there, but either side of the altar there's the, the Roman eagles. And there's, um, in, in, in the synagogue, there's Lydian symbols. And uh, on, on the columns, the names are not written in Hebrew, they're written in Greek. 
So we see straight away, we have an indigo, we can just picture and use a bit of imagination to see that everyone was trying to get along with each other. So, of course, there's compromise then, isn't it? And, and even in the market square where there, there's, a, there's, a, there's two stalls with a cross and a Jewish sign next door. So it, it's, it was a get-along society. We called it a pluralistic syncretism where you lose, actually, you lose the distinctiveness of the uniqueness of the gospel. And remember that the gospel is still unique, it's still distinct. Um, now this church, we, we can see, um, it had a name, a character, a reputation, and, and an attribute that was alive. So there was a lot going on. I, from the outside, from our view, yeah, I'm going to join that church. Good, everything's going. Woo, everything's woo, marvelous. It, it was obviously successful. It was obviously wealthy. It was obviously full. It had a reputation of being alive. But Jesus said, "It is dead." Wow, wow. Now remember, we, we talked about this before, right at the beginning, that the, the messenger will be coming back with this letter, and this letter will be read to the church. Like a report. Remember that? When we used to take our report on from school? Ooh. Some of those, David, not a bad, but talks too much in class. I used to try and, hey, you got a report, David? Well, it'll be coming soon, it'll be coming soon. And used to give it when, you know, when, when they were in good mood or something, or give it in the morning, you out all day, so it just calmed down a little bit, didn't it? Simmer down. It was a report card. And um, the, the, the straight, straight away we notice is that we are easily prone to self-deception. Uh, but God looks right through the situation. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, we know this verse, but it's a lovely verse. 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, 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 sorry, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. See, the Lord is looking straight in. He sees past the superficial, and he's looking at the substance. Now, I don't know what, I, 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 when I'm doing these studies, I'm trying, I'm trying oh, Lord, you're challenging me. Are we, we've got to be very, see, that these are to be applied only to us. Now, are we uh, have an appearance of life, but are we dead? Is there really the life of Christ in us and with us and in, in the very, you know, DNA, if you like, uh, of the system? That's what we've got to ask, isn't it? Because um, uh, we would say we can look at that church and look at that church and oh, look at anything like that. No, no, no. At the end of the day, we are here. You know, the Lord, the Lord put them out. We are here. We've got to ask us a real deep question. The Lord is looking right past the superficial, and of course, the trouble is because there, there was a, that sort of um, uh, that wealth and that riches. Because what does that do? It causes it always causes self sufficiency, self confidence, and ultimately self indulgence. Um, and uh, Deuteronomy 8 is right back in the Old Testament. Moses says, be very, very careful when you prosper, when you're building your own houses, when everything's going well, that you do not forget the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the problem in the West, isn't it? We are well off. Oh, I don't, they're complaining about recession, but let's be honest. They, we are well off. 
uh, uh, compared to most of them, if not all the world, we're well off. I still see people going out for meals, still booked up, mm-hmm. going here and then thinking, well, it's supposed to be a recession, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you talk to builders and they're booked up till next. I'm thinking, well, where's them? They're still working and building. And, and so, uh, so we have that background. Just a, just a, a little note, I just I wrote down here about the synagogue, uh, where we, we see how, how, how quickly they formed. The synagogue was built right next door to the, um, the gymnasium. That's a, 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 this great city, the gymnasium. And of course, the gymnasium was then next door to the baths. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, of course, in Roman times, the gymnasium, uh, they, they trained with nothing on, okay? Naked. And then they went to the baths, and, and goodness knows what went on in the baths. And the synagogue was right next door. Well, to a Jew, a real good Jew, that would be an abhorrent. They would get from, we're not building next door here. So we see that, you see, again, it's the church being destroyed from within and not without. And it's always the worst place to be. Yeah, and of course, we have the, the self deception. What does Galatians say? Galatians warns us about this. Galatians. Uh, six, like three and four, I think I've got. For if a man think himself to be, to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall ha- and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. So. Yeah. Do not look. That's why the first beatitude is so important and is foundational and an anchor. We looked at, didn't we? A life of repentance. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Having that attitude of, Lord, I, without you, I am a sinner lost forever. See, that is that tension, isn't it? Always that tension, that balance of I am a child of God, bless the Lord, I am safe, I'm secure, I'm, I know I'm His, yet do not forget that outside of Him we are lost, we are sinners. So that stops us from getting independent, stops us from becoming proud and thinking, oh, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the anchor, and that's why he started off there. And he, he, he's saying this church, of course, and again, um, uh, listening to God's word and pride, pride, pride is always the the the, the root of self deception, and we see it right through the word of God. Uh, Israel, what are you doing, Israel? You're thinking you're okay, but you you're not. You're not. You're blind. James, James one twenty two to twenty seven. James one. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. There's a lot of ways of, of being deluded there, but also the opposite. Stop, stop being deluded, do the word. 
Not know the word. Knowing the word isn't in it. So if you don't do the word, you deceive yourself. And then he says, your words, your words. But again, that reveals our heart, doesn't it? Our words always reveal our heart. And that, what, it'll come, and it, that's where we're deceived, because we think we're all right. But he says, what is it? Uh, our words, parlance, I like those are the three Ps, parlance. Purity, keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. We'll see that was one of the, uh, the only commendation for the few. Stop unblemished, unsmeared, unspotted, unstained. Um, and people, looking after, not yourself, but others, others. And uh, so we see, easily deceived, uh, we can be. And uh, to such a point where we can think we're okay. This church had an appearance of life, but it was dead. I don't know about you, but that is, uh, that's frightening. That's frightening. Remember, this, you know, the, from the outward, we'd have thought, this is a good church. But... It was dead. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, you know. A, you know. Asleep in a sense. It was dead. I mean, that is as as as, as bad as it can be, isn't it? Dead. <laughs> There's no. You know. Come on, wakey, wakey a minute. You were dead. And this is uh, this is how far we can go away from the Lord. And we know this this story, but it again, uh, worth reading because it just shows where our hearts can go. Judges sixteen. When Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent a call for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come at once, for he hath showed me all of his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought money in her hand, in their hands. And she made them sleep upon his, her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and strength went from him. And she said, uh, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake off myself and wish not that the Lord would depart it from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him to, to, down to Gaza and bound him with the fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. He got up and said, I will get up as I did before and I will give my hiding. One of the most sobering, saddest, but he did not know the Lord had left him. And this is a, a lovely picture of the church here. They didn't know they were going through all the, the, the routine and the, and the religion. Everything, you know, it's, we can do that because we get into a routine and we, we, you know, enjoy that and we can persuade ourselves. But there was no life the lord was not among it but thankfully he doesn't leave them there does he he says no he said there there is a way there's listen to my counsel to get back to what you uh, should be wake up or the word means to to be watchful uh, it does mean to be to chase away sleep we'll look at some verses now uh, where the context is um, wake up five things he says doesn't he wake up strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. Remember. Ah, he said that to Ephesus. Power of the memory. Someone says the shortest way to repentance, isn't it? Memory. Memory. Remember what you received and heard. And hold it fast. Keep it. Watch over it. And repent. And repent. Wake up. It's a good way. Get awake. Be watchful. You see, ultimately, we are to be watchful. Watchful. Uh, Matthew 26 40, 41. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. 
Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Wake up so that temptation, when it comes, you will be able to overcome. Cheer sleep away. Um, although, if you can't sleep, you know, one way, to, best good way to get asleep, start praying. Ooh, ooh. Start praying, and you'll soon uh, drift away. Best Lord. The best, best way to go to sleep anyway, isn't it? Praying. But wake up, be watchful, chase away. We are watchmen and watchwomen. Romans 13, 11 to 14. And do this, understand in the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer than now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, close yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Be alert, be awake, see. Isn't it amazing how blind we can become to uh, blatant sin? And we, we, we sort of um, <coughs> dalliance with it, we, we, we go close to it, and uh, we even imbibe it into that sort of culture sometimes. And you know what? The devil's laughing. Get away from it, stay away from it. Because uh, once he's got his tentacles in, it lures us, doesn't it, and, and draws us in. Uh, watch and pray. Um, the Bible tells us to be very to be watchful about a number of things, isn't it? Of course, it's temptation there. Second coming was that one there. In a, be alert, the Lord is coming soon. Enemy, the the devil roars around like a, goes around like a roaring lion. Keep alert, keep alert. Don't make sure you see what he where he's at. Be, just be vigilant, watchful. The ten virgins is a classic example of being alert, being vigilant, and staying awake, isn't it? And being ready. They all fell asleep, mind, but at least five were ready. Five, five were ready, even though they were sleeping. Um, up with these verses that uh, saps us um, of our strength. Something will come to strength in a minute, but also. Uh, uh, nullifies us and blunts us. Uh, Luke 21, 34, 36. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly, like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the old earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Thankfully, the God always, he said, look, the, towards the end of time, and, and in every generation, really, what happens is the weight of, of, of life gets on top of us. And of course, that we imbibe. I mean, technically, if you want to be accurate, it's talking about drunkenness there, but we can be drunk on life, on this life, on the world, can't we? On, on what the world says is life. Get as much as you can. Be as, more, as important as you can. Do what you can, want. Don't worry about it. Don't hurt anyone else. Uh, and we, you know what, what that does? It weighs on us and it, it squeezes the very life out of us. The Bible says the thorns 
squeeze the life and the cares of the world. See, don't ever think that you can live as you like and there's no consequences. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's eternal consequences, but there's consequences in this life as well. Make no mistake. Um, you know, we, we look on the outside, but you talk to those uh, many, many uh, testimonies of old people who have been rich and famous, and at the end of their life, they are just broken, empty. And uh, remember that man who was 75 uh, on one of those Caribbean islands, and uh, calling Billy Graham in to talk, talk to him. He said, I'm 75. He said, I've got a yacht down there. I've got a helicopter over there. This is my, obviously my, my son home. He said, but I'm absolutely empty. Mm-hmm. Empty. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And he said there was another man on, on, on the island, 75 years of age, a Baptist minister who had nothing. He, he lived in a, in a room that someone gave him. But he said, what a difference. He was full of the joy of the Lord. Although he was living on a Caribbean island. But, but, but he had nothing. He said the difference was that the world says if you have this, this will be. But it isn't. That's a lie of the day. It, it eventually choked the very life because it's not life. And he says that what happened? The dissipation will give you a headache. And uh, drunkenness will overwhelm you. And the distractions of this life will draw us in a different direction. In the wrong direction. And we've seen that. We know that in our own, our own lives. The cares of this life draw us away from the Lord, didn't they? And we are focused on those. We're worried about those. We're concerned about those. And they are irrelevant. Really, in eternity? In, in, in eternal. That's why Psalm 70 is a great psalm. He, he, he's weighed down, but he goes into the house of the Lord. And he says, Lord, thank you. I see the air end. I see eternally. And that's what our mind is, is on. So wake up. Wake up and strengthen establish, confirm that which remains is about to die. Strengthen that which is about to die. Bless the Lord. How do we strengthen things? Uh, Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you, will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. It's a great verse, isn't it? The Lord is our strength, and that's why we are always poor in spirit. When we become proud, we lose our dependence upon him. And we think, I'm all right. And we're in real, real trouble. Let him who thinks he stands beware, because you're in real trouble. Um, so there's, there's the, the, the strength from the Lord. How do we strengthen this? We go back, we lean on him, we learn of him. It's a great story of David, isn't it? When the Amalekites come and they take everything away. And he's left there alone because he's the leader. He's going to get the blame, as you do. And uh, they, they're thinking about stoning him. And uh, the Bible says he goes in before the Lord. And he strengthens himself in the Lord. It's a beautiful picture. He, that's what he, he knew what to do because that's what he did as a habit. As something he always did. In, in, in the wilderness, looking after those sheep. Those sheep weren't going to answer him. He was talking to the Lord. He was worshipping. And he knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. And our strength is in him. Um, Zechariah 4, 6 and 7. 
So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord, said Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, say the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plague, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Background again, we know that. Zerubbabel and uh, Joshua. Zerubbabel was the governor, Joshua was the high priest. They'd gone back from uh, captivity and they'd laid the foundation, but because of this and that, because of the words and because of a bit of threat, they'd stopped building. 16 years. Stopped. Prophet Haggai comes alongside Zechariah the prophet and said, Come on. Haggai said, What are you doing? Why haven't you started building? Your houses are finished, but this place isn't. Now start building. And of course, this is a word for Zerubbabel. It's not by might. It's not by your power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. That mountain that you see, that's bit, it'll be laid before you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit. And that's our power, isn't it? We're not just from his, his word and his presence. The Holy Spirit's within us. Hallelujah. You will receive power when he comes on you. Not in you, but on you as well. Baptizing the Holy Spirit and power. So there's our power. There's our strength. He says, strengthen those that are about to die. He said, I've, I've seen your works. They're incomplete. They're unfulfilled. They are not finished. Be careful. You start something, finish it. Make it finished. It isn't fruitful. It's not producing what it should. In, I like this. He said, in my, in my sight. Now in their sight... They thought, oh, and maybe, again, we can only, only postulate that uh, perhaps they were thinking, oh, look at that, there's something new there, let's do that. There's, there's, there's a new teaching there, let's grab all of that. And we can, we can see that because that's what we see sometimes uh, in church, and we know, oh, there's something new, we'll try that. And, and we like that a bit, we see a teaching, and think, well, that's a good teaching, I like the sound of that. Uh, Dave, you're going to have a bit more money, ooh, bless him, oh, we'll take that. And, and we can easily fall, fall for that. And he said, no, no, stop. Stop, don't run here and there. That which you started is not fulfilled. And he, he says to that to the, um, uh, to the Corinthians, isn't he? That which you start, complete. Do not give up. That's what it is, isn't it? Don't give up. We are prone to give up because we look here and we think, well, oh, I've been doing this a while. I went back into the school on, on Wednesday. I thought, I've been doing this a long time. We get a bit long and a tough for this. Um, but, but you know, at the end of the day, if the Lord's opened the door, yeah. you've got to take it because there will be someone coming along behind me that can will just slot slot on in there. So sometimes we, we are pro- the devil loves us to give up, doesn't he? Loves us to be unfaithful. But he, he's, they are lacking faithfulness here. And he says, that which you start, you've not finished, you've not carried on. Um, now remember, he says, now recollect, now rehearse that which you heard and first heard and received. Remember, this is only this is a second generation church. The church was started only about thirty or forty years before, and they, the church would have started probably having heard the gospel that Paul preached. So they heard the true gospel because Paul, what did he say? I've not, uh, st- I've, I've preached everything to you, the whole counsel of God. You have told you everything. I've not, you know, uh, watered down this bit of the gospel. So they 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 heard the true gospel. 
And he says, now remember what you've, you've really heard, the original, the authentic, the unique, the distinctive gospel. There is only one way. You cannot have many ways to God. You cannot have interfaith. That's what was happening. We heard that and we heard that before. Interfaith. No, no, no. You can't. Why? Because Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only way. And when you begin to declare that, then there's always a distinction. Then there's all, you're always putting yourself outside the general flow of the world. Why? Because the world, oh, everybody's okay. Everyone's good. Well, Jesus didn't give us that option, did he? Didn't give us that option. He said, I'm the way. There's no one else can get salvation by him. He's the way, the truth. No one goes to the Father but by me. So remember. Then he says, um, keep depending on what translation you, you, you obey, but the word means to, um, to watch over, to guard, to look after, uh, to keep it. And uh, you'll see that right through the, uh, the, um, uh, the New Testament, keeping the word, keeping, keeping yourself pure, watching yourself, reserving, preserving, getting hold of his word, looking after his commands, uh, keeping the unity of the spirit is right through there. And that's the word he's using. Uh, uh, hold fast to that. Remember what you heard and hold fast to it. Don't let it go. Don't water it down. Don't preserve the gospel. He said, preserve the gospel which you heard. Um, let's do have a couple of other, other verses where we get some context there. Um, 1 John 3, same writer, of course. 1 John 3, 20, 24. Is it? 22, 24. And whatsoever we ask, we receive a thing. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. So if we love him, we will watch over his commands. If we are in him, we will watch over his commands. If he is in us, that is the, the natural, well, let's call it natural because it's supernatural, but it's a naturally supernatural thing that we will do. We will love his word. And when, we, when the love of God's word is, is weak and faint, then we've got to look at ourselves and say, Lord, come on, there's something wrong here. Because naturally when we're saved, we love God's word. We want to keep it. We want to watch it. We want to preserve it. So when we see things happening in the church, we say, wait a minute, there's something wrong there. They're not watching over his word. Um, and again, we've got to be careful because some things, we, we, it might be some tradition they don't, we don't like. That's not it. You know, we're talking about God's word, God's standards. We, we know what we're talking about, don't we? When they, when they say this is okay and it's not all right. Uh, so we can see that. Um, so keeping God's word, holding it fast, guarding it, watching over it, uh, taking up your, your, your real focus. What about these Jude, Jude twenty twenty one? But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep yourself in the love of God. How do you do that? Well, the Bible is very clear. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Keep your eyes on him. Get your mind filled with him. You keep your eyes on him and you can only love him, can't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, his love will overflow your heart. When you see him and what he's done and his sacrifice and my sin put him there, 
you will keep loving him. Um, and of course, the, the fifth thing he says, uh, which really underlines it and uh, is the, is the uh, end result, repent. Turn around. Change your thinking, change your direction, change your behavior, repent. And then he puts something in which is very interesting. If you will not watch, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will, not, you will not know at what time it will come to you. Now, we didn't say about Sardis. Sardis is on, on two levels. There's the, there's the, I suppose, the valley, if you like, where everything is built. Temple of Artemis, Temple of Caesar, the usual things, the synagogue, the, the, the gymnasium. But actually, up above, about a thousand feet up, is the Acropolis, where the, the city is, where they used to go to to protect themselves. Three, around is a thousand, they say, a thousand feet of sheer cliff, only one way up. And uh, when they, they got there, they, it was called the impregnable. If you ever seen, if you ever know anything about Masada, it's a little bit like that, but a bit higher. So you understand, you've got the picture, it, it's, it's right up there. So the, the, the town is there, but the, the, when they wanted to the, keep all the money up there, of course, when it was, it was rich. And um, in, uh, in 500 BC, they, they, um, the Persians were attacking, so they all got up to the top, and uh, they were impenetrable. They had uh, stocks of food, stocks of water, because they'd be there for months. And um, they were about to give up the Persians. They did a siege, but it, it was impenetrable. They didn't have a clue how to get in, and um, it was impossible. Until one day, uh, they were watching, uh, one of the sentries of Persia was watching uh, uh, the Lydian, and one of the Lydians said his, his helmet fell off and uh, over, the, over the war. And this guy came out of the, uh, the, the, the city and he came down the path. I mean, from down below, you can't see the path. But they were looking at this guy and they were thinking, oh, there's, there's how they get, that's how, that's how you get into the place. And um, they had no idea, that the, the Lydians. So what happened, the Persians, clever, they said, uh, a distraction around the other side, the army, and what they did, they sent an SAS commando group up where they knew this, this, and of course, like a thief in the night, that's what they, they, they called it. They went up in the night, like a thief in the night, they opened the gate, and it was conquered. In their pride, because they thought, no one will conquer us, no one will conquer this, they were really weren't looking, they weren't awake, they were sleeping, because they thought, you know, it's impossible. But, and of course, it happened again happened, uh, the Greeks took it in 200, slightly different uh, things, but that's, they weren't ready. They, they haven't learned from history. Don't, none of us do, do we? That's, human race never learns from history. We got, don't remember the Sunday, Sunday, we had the First World War, 20 years later, we're in the Second World War. Do we learn from history? Of course we don't. Um, and they hadn't. And, and when he said, he'll come like a thief at night, immediately they knew. Because he remembered, we talked about it last week, didn't we? Or uh, Paulson said he knew the church, but he knew the city, he knew the town, he knew the the, the, the circumstances. And as soon as he said, "I came like a thief," they said, "Oh, we understand what you're talking about." When they were full of pride, when they were asleep, they were conquered. And he says, "That's what's going to happen." These are strong words. You know, these are Jesus' words. You're dead. You're not alive. Now you sort this out. This is the direction I give you. The, I'll give you the counsel. But if you don't do it, I'll come like a thief. You will not know, and the the, the church will go. It'll be gone. Um, it, it's it's frightening words, fearful words. Yet he says there are a few amongst you, and there are only a few because the word there means there are, there's puny. It means there was a few, and of course again we can see what was happening. 
uh, all those things he tells them they weren't doing, but he, sa- he says that some have not soiled their clothes, so obviously the rest had. They'd um, smeared, and it means to die, it means to get dirty and mud and dirt, and, and we can get the picture. Their, their, their garments should be pure, purity of the Lord, and, and the walking with the Lord, and the victory of the Lord, and all those things. But no, they smeared. Why? Because they'd tried to fit in. They compromised. And um, it, from within. In one sense, uh, all those things we talked about the other churches, he didn't even he didn't even mention those, did he? The, the teaching of the Nicolaitans, the idolatry, the the food sacrifices. But no, it was just dead. It had gone too far. It had gone far, far worse than that. But there were a few because they were worthy. They walk. They were dressed in white and they were working, walking worthily. Then he says, "Look, here's three, three um, promises to the overcomers. If you walk." If you overcome, bless the Lord, you will be clothed with white garments. Again, culture, when the victor came, the people would follow him dressed in white. Of course, we know white is purity. White is uh, for uh, victory. White is, is, for, uh, is heaven. It's a heavenly color. And of course, white has all the colors involved. If you remember, remember that. Long time ago in our science, amen. Uh, let's read Revelation 7 9 to 10. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne until the Heaven with white robes. Of course, that is purity, but also it also says it's the righteous deeds of the saints as well, isn't it? So it talks about righteousness and purity and victory. That's, he said, if you're listening, if you're overcoming, you'll be clothed with white. Then there's, there's an interesting, um, uh, that some try to, uh, it's, it's, it's a powerful one. Um, if you overcome, I will never blot you out, never blot out your name from the book of life. Ooh. Um, what I would say is that, for uh, the sound of it, he wouldn't have said it if the possibility wasn't there. Um, some, some would argue, and, but I, you see, you've got to let the word speak of him. The word of God is clear. Um, if, if the, he said, I'll never blot you out of this name if you overcome. Um, so uh, I, I've, I've listened to quite a few sermons on that and obviously I could see where they were coming from because they didn't they were, they were saying oh that's the church and well no it isn't it's, saying it's, it's personal it's for the person it's for the church but it, the possibility is there because the same word means to blot out your sin it means to eradicate it it means to wipe it clean it's a powerful it's a frightening it's sober no good saying oh yeah you give your life to the Lord 50 years ago look what today? What's happening today? And at the end of the day, I don't know what's happened 50 years because again, remember we talked about a real confession on Sunday. Really, as it followed through, and I love this last one. I will confess your name freely before who? My Father and the angels. You're coming into heaven. Whoa! Here he come. Carol's coming through. The Lord is saying. Carol, Ken, Marion, use my, use my daughter, use my son, use my saint. That's a wonderful, what a powerful. 
That's what the Lord says. He'll confess your name before the Father, before his angels. What does he say? You confess me, I'll confess you. But this is a stronger word. It means to be uh, confessed forward, to acknowledge, to freely confess us before the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, this has been a challenge, this one as well. Because, uh, Lord, are we alive? Are we really alive? Uh, on, the, on the surface we say, oh, this, this and this is going on, but Lord, help us not to be dead. Help us to have the life of Christ in the place, in us, isn't it? Us, that's who, who has got to bring it. It's not the buildings that we're, this is where we meet, but in us, the life of Christ. So this tonight again, really powerful, um, strong uh, word from the Lord, isn't it? No commendation, just a real wake-up call. You know what? I think probably they listened. Hallelujah. Uh, there's, there's a story of um, in the second century, which is obviously, uh, this is the end of the first, so the next generation, they, their pastor, they had a pastor called Melito. Hallelujah. Don't know but he, they say he wrote the first commentary on Revelation. So I think they listened because there's, there's, they've dug, excavated now, there's a church built there in about the fourth century. Um, so who knows? Obviously, this Melito heard, uh, listened to the God's com uh, you know, his counsel, his uh, conviction over the church, and uh, bless the Lord. So when we listen, hallelujah, God brings us and can uh, restore, isn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.